Ever wondered who and what is shaping Luxembourg? This is your Lux Unplugged podcast with your hosts, Adrian and Thierry. Hi, I'm Adrian. And I'm Thierry. Welcome back to another episode here on Lux Unplugged. This time around, Adrian speaks to Serge Tronsenblum, Group Executive Chairman at IQEQ. Thierry, why did we invite Serge to our show? Serge and his business have been significant contributors to the Luxembourg ecosystem, formerly known as SGG. IQEQ is a global player in the investor services field with ever-growing ambitions. All this made in Luxembourg. Indeed. As we've mentioned before in previous episodes, Luxembourg is an important jurisdiction for investment vehicles. In a world with more complex rules and more demanding investors, such as millennials wanting to see their investments used for a greener and more socially responsible future, IQEQ has filled an essential role in that space. Serge will walk us through his experience since the very inception of this venture, and of course, how Luxembourg has played a key role in the success of IQEQ to date. But now, without further ado, my conversation with Serge Kranzenblum, Group Executive Chairman at IQEQ. Thank you very much for joining us here on Lux Unplugged. A pleasure. Essentially, for people who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a Luxembourger. Uh, I have, I'm the father of uh, two beautiful girls and also the grandfather of uh, two, two little kids uh, that one of my daughter just had her second child uh, three weeks ago. And uh, I like to, uh, to build businesses and I like, uh, you know, new ventures globally. So, but I think that's part of the definition of an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so first and foremost, congratulations on becoming grandfather for the second time. It's always an Thanks. exciting thing to do. But also, but going back to your career as an entrepreneur, in general, what motivated you to go down this path? You must have had uh, dynamics pushing you towards that uh, direction. Uh, the first thing is my father was an entrepreneur, but I started as an employee. You know, I started as a bank employee in Luxembourg 35 years ago. But when I had the opportunity of uh, taking my, my future in my own hands, I, I didn't hesitate. And um, so I, I think the fact that uh, uh, my dad and a number of his friends were entrepreneurs, I think gave me the idea of doing it. But it took some time, I must say. So it's always a question of opportunity and it's a question of uh, making sure that you seize the opportunities. And was IQEQ your first venture? Was, were there a few iterations before you kicked off this, this career of yours? It, it was definitely my, my first venture because in fact, uh, IQEQ uh, was the sister company of the bank I used to work for. And we took over, I mean, we were two of us and we took over the business from the bank uh, a, a number of years ago. It was in 98. We used uh, Arthur Anderson as a white knight. They took over. Uh, I became a partner and we were co-CEOs of the business with my former partner. And after in 2000, uh, I think it was the end of 2000, we acquired the business from Arthur Anderson. 
it's been a very exciting journey so far. Um, but in terms of the history of the business, because I know IQ EQ is not the, it's recently called like that, but I know it, it didn't start out as such. So how would you describe it uh, since the very beginning when you, when you became highly involved in this business and why actually this, this name IQ EQ, I'm very intrigued. Uh, the name uh, is the consequence of a number of things. First of all, uh, we decided to grow very aggressively and we had a lot of ambitions for the business. We had ambitions first to, uh, to be one of the big players in Luxembourg to start with, after to become a European player and after to become a world player. And now we are number four in the world in investor services. The, the, the question was, I mean, how do you could do this? You could do it, I mean, partly by organic growth, but also we wanted to do it fast, so we made a number of acquisitions. So especially lately, in the last four years, I have made 14 acquisitions, uh, 15 acquisitions today. I mean, one is being signed, I mean, when we are speaking today. Uh, and, um, you know, when you acquire a number of uh, companies and you, you bring on board other entrepreneurs, you want to make sure that everyone feels being part of the, of the new story, which is being written. So the idea was not to give our own name, which was SGG, to each and every company we acquired, but to take a new name for everyone to have the feeling of belonging. And so we, we hired specialists. And in fact, when they interviewed a number of our staff, uh, a number of our clients, and our partners, they found out that um, our, our job was very technical. So we needed to be technical people. We need to bring value. So that was the IQ part of our DNA. But also we needed to be very close to our clients and to understand their needs and to be very connected to them. That was the emotional part of the, uh, of the DNA of our brand. And so indeed, you know, they wanted to find a name for this and they, they found something very easy. This is IQ, EQ for both sides of the, of the brain, in fact. But in, in a few lines, just for the, our listeners, how would you say, how would you describe the activities of IQ, EQ? You mentioned earlier that it's, been, it's the fourth largest investor services group in the world, but why would, why would someone go to your company in general? So in fact, people outsource different type of services to us. Um, we, we have globally three types of clients. Uh, the biggest segment is made of the alternative asset managers. So the private equity asset managers, the real estate or debt, private debt asset managers, and they outsource a number of services to us. For example, accounting, secretarial, uh, uh, legal secretarial services. We, uh, we also act as a depository for their assets. We uh, act as, as registrar and transfer agents. So in fact, we give them all the support services for them to do better their work, which is investing and making sure that the investments are going to be profitable, I mean, for their investors. The second part and the second segment, client segment, is made of uh, uh, the very big family offices of this world, which means those very wealthy families who also act as investors. So we give them also support. So for example, we act as their trustee. We, uh, we set up their different special purpose vehicles. 
and we uh, do the accounting, secretarial services, we act as directors. So we give them a full uh, uh, backup instead of for them to hire, you know, specialists for everything. Um, and the last type of clientele we have are large corporations or multinational corporations. And in a number of countries, we're based in more than 20 countries, we support them by um, making sure that they can outsource uh, a number of, uh, of things that they don't want to do themselves. Like for example, you know, in each and every country, hiring all the staff, they prefer to outsource certain type of services, among them accounting. Also, more specifically, at least, I mean, you've been in the industry for, for a while now and you've seen how demands, how expectations have changed over time. I understand you launched or you, you became part of this venture in the, in the 90s. And I think since then, a lot of things have happened and um, the, the world has become more complex because jurisdiction has changed, uh, laws change, compliance has changed. To what extent actually has your vision evolved along, along those, uh, those lines? When we started in the business, it was a, a lot of what was driving the industry was tax structures. So in fact, people were setting up corporations in other countries and they were benefiting from you know, different um, tax treaties, international agreements, and they were using you know, those stepstones to... Um, to invest in other countries, but also to benefit from certain tax, um, certain tax agreements. Nowadays, it's not anymore at all the case. Most of what the investors are looking for are very stable investment hubs. And for example, Luxembourg is a very stable and innovative investment hub. It helps international investors to invest in a very secure manner abroad. And this is what has changed. You know, it's much more service-based now, you know, in the, in the countries we operate than tax-based. As a, as a leading investor group uh, company, uh, actually providing services to, to investors as a whole, given that in your capacity as a chairman of this company, you're overseeing the whole, the whole situation. And then of, of course, the strategy is a big element of your day-to-day, -day, I can imagine. So in terms of, future outlook or growth opportunities, where do you see the biggest areas where there's, there's much to be exploited, like, let's just say in, in the next five years? Uh, I really believe in terms of client segment. I mean, the two client segments that are growing very fast and are going to be the, the client segments of the future are the alternative funds on the one hand and the very big family offices on the other hand. This is really, I mean, what we, where we invest and uh, we try to extend the type, the range of solutions we provide to those two different client segments. In terms of geographies, we really believe, and we just made a very important investment in the US, and it's not going to be the last one, but the USA is a very deep market for us. Why? Because of two reasons. First of all, this is the biggest private equity market in the world and also real estate market in the world. So there are many actors. I mean, uh, they, they raise a lot of money every year and more and more, you know, uh, uh, even uh, uh, the retail investors are investing in private equity and real estate through different type of vehicles, uh, uh, regulated and unregulated vehicles, and they need support. 
The other driver is the fact that so far in the US, because there was less regulation, for example, than in Asia or in Europe, there was uh, less outsourcing of services. So a lot of those actors were uh, doing everything in-house. And, but now with the pressure of the limited partners, so the pressure of the investors, they have to outsource. Why? Because it's better to have an independent party, for example, to do the accounting. You know, it's a 4i principle. So more and more, there is a potential for outsourcers like us to get business. So the USA is the biggest market in the world, and we want to be there in, uh, in a quite important way. Um, another market which is also growing quite fast is Asia for both client segments I just mentioned. So we're investing there a lot. Uh, Europe is still very important. This is our biggest source of revenue so far, but the growth is less in Europe than it is in the US or in Asia. You mentioned earlier that big family offices play a bigger role going forward. And um, well, I suppose it's, it's impacting the whole investor spectrum in general. But uh, I, I know that IQEQ is, is putting a strong emphasis on servicing family offices and especially meeting needs in terms of ESG, so environmental social governance issues and anything, you know, having in, investors of tomorrow expecting different things than the ones from today. So how do you see the ESG topic moving on from now? I, I think, you know, there was a, a lot of, uh, there were a lot of discussions about ESG for some time and a lot of greenwashing. So everyone wanted to be ESG compliant, but only for one reason, I mean, to tick the box and to make sure that they would get, you know, they would, they would appear as being nice players in the market uh, and, and also uh, uh, to, um, for the asset managers on the other side to be able to, uh, to, to raise money in an easier way. I, I think there was a change of generation. The people, I mean, we're in business now, be their family offices or asset managers, they believe in ESG. And this is the most important. And we are firm believers of the added value of ESG. But ESG is not only green investing, you know, it's making sure that you invest in an ethical way. And ethics is everything. So what we provide to investors is um, information. So information on ESG for private markets. Uh, there is a lot of information available now for listed shares, uh, for listed companies, um, but there is very little for private companies. So for example, when you want to invest in a private company, you need to check a number of things. I mean, either a problem with human rights, either a problem with corruption, either a problem with financing of armed conflicts in certain countries. All these kind of things need to be checked. It's not only the environment, you know, it's not only, I mean, everything which is uh, uh, green investment. It's overall, am I doing something which is going to harm the society, you know, globally? Or am I doing something which is making sure that everyone is going to keep what I think is important in terms of moral or ethics? Moving back to Luxembourg as a, as a general environment, uh, providing good opportunities for, for businesses. In your situation, how would you say, well, I mean, we know that Luxembourg has been a major player in the investment fund industry. It's, a, it's one of the key global players, as most of the people familiar with Luxembourg would, would know. But how is this 
whole ecosystem benefited the company or your company since the very beginning? I mean, we benefited from everything that has been built in Luxembourg, but we were part of the building itself. So we are one of the very big administrator of investment funds. Uh, as I mentioned, alternative investment funds, so very specialized in private equity real estate. But this overall ecosystem, which has made Luxembourg being one of the most important investment hub in Europe and in the world, is very important. So we, we are fully part of that ecosystem. IQEQ is fully part of that ecosystem. I've been also, uh, I would call myself a kind of ambassador for Luxembourg. You know, I'm, I'm the chairman of two professional associations, the Luxembourg uh, Alternative Asset Administrators Association, uh, which represents our industry, plus the Luxembourg uh, Family Office uh, Association. And uh, it's very important that we make sure that Luxembourg is going to stay competitive, you know. And that's why I mean, we have a responsibility. It's not only that we, we I mean, our business is going to, uh, to thrive and to uh, continue being profitable and employ a number of people, but it's also the fact that you need to care for the financial place, the financial place of Luxembourg. So you need to invest into uh, pro-advocacy work, into an ambassadorship role. And that's what we try to do, and that's what I, I'm trying to do on a permanent basis. One of the big, big questions, because Luxembourg is known for being a, a place that has adapted a lot over time, the, the financial sector is not the last innovation that, that, if, uh, that the country has come up with. But staying in your, in your field of expertise, do you believe that Luxembourg is poised to cover more niches in the investment fund industry? Otherwise, what well, we know Luxembourg having, well, being what it is, you always have to keep an edge to stay competitive. So how do you see the whole situation moving on in that respect? Uh, Luxembourg definitely has, uh, uh, has had always you know, a competitive edge. Why? Because we were able to adapt to any change. It's one of the reasons we are a small country, but it's also the adaptability and the drive of our leaders, political leaders, and of each and every party. You know, we had always coalition governments for years now, and being from the left or from the right, everyone understood that we needed to adapt to the new environment and very often to be very proactive. So Luxembourg has a very special capacity to, to adapt and I am very positive about the future of the, of the capacity of the, uh, the, the financial center of Luxembourg to find the right niches. And, and we, try, we are trying on a permanent basis, you know, I'm, I, I, I have a seat at the Au Comité de la Place Financière. And uh, we, we, are, we are always discussing what do we have to do to stay competitive and what kind of initiatives we have to take. And it's a very good thing that the professionals also uh, can propose new, uh, new niches and new ways of doing business. And uh, really, I, I'm very proud of uh, our, our leaders in Luxembourg, of what they have been doing so far and they are still doing now. 
Just for the, the knowledge of our listeners, can you briefly highlight the purpose of this whole Comité de la Place Financière? Yeah, I know it's, it's a very well-known body, but it would be interesting to have your, your view, your definition of it. This is just a, a, um, a forum where you can exchange with the Ministry of Finance, the different professionals, so the people, uh, the, uh, the barreau, the bar, the, the, um, the bar, the uh, Chartered Accountants Association, uh, the, uh, our own association, L3A, uh, a number of others, Alfie, you know, representing the investment fund uh, industry, LPEA representing the private equity uh, uh, industry. We can exchange with the Minister of, of Finance, with the tax authorities on a number of subjects. It's, it doesn't mean that uh, they, they, will, they will take everything, but they need to always um, take the temperature of the financial center from the professionals. And there is a very good um, exchange of, uh, uh, between, between the, uh, uh, the government and the professionals. We know Brexit, I mean, leaving aside COVID-19 and all the disruption that this has brought, but Brexit being now imminent uh, with the UK leaving the European Union at the end of this year, how has this key event impacted your company strategy? So it did impact our business already uh, in a very positive manner to start with. So which meant that a number of asset managers, they wanted to have a plan B. So uh, the plan B was to set up, you know, the UK structure, the UK asset manager. They wanted to set up uh, a sister company or daughter company uh, in another European country in order to be to make sure that they would still have the capacity to sell their services in a very easy way in Europe. So they did it either in Luxembourg or in Ireland mainly. And my group has, you know, those two. Uh, those two platforms. We have a large number of people in, in Luxembourg and, and, uh, and also a very nice platform in Ireland. So it was good for business. Uh, now, from a strategic point of view, we invest a lot in the UK because we believe the UK is going to stay a very strong market, financial market, and we need to be there as well to help uh, the, uh, the investors industry uh, and the asset managers to... Uh, to, uh, to do uh, they work better. So uh, we have, we have uh, more than 300 people in the UK and we are investing uh, even more because we believe that it's, it's still going to be a very important financial center. Would it be considered as an offshore hub uh, from an IQEQ perspective? You know, offshore is a question of perspective. It's always very interesting to see that uh, you know, when you're in the US, you consider Cayman of being almost domestic. You know? And when we are in Europe, we consider Cayman of being fully offshore. So offshore is very relative. You know? So uh, the UK is, is really never going to be I mean, a full offshore. It's going to be maybe what certain people call midshore. Also, moving back to Luxembourg in, the, in this case, we we like we always very quite curious about knowing what our guests think about Luxembourg because this podcast tackles the topic of business and their leaders in in Luxembourg. So for you, Serge, at the personal level, what do you actually like the most about Luxembourg? Its adaptability, 
It's uh, the drive, as I mentioned before, the drive of its leaders. The fact that I came as a foreigner and I'm now a Luxemburger, but even before Luxemburger, if you make a small effort to, for integration, you are not only fully accepted, but you are more than welcome. And there is, I don't know of another example of a country where, you know, the main city in the country, Luxembourg City, more than 60% of the population is made of foreigners and without any issue with the local population. This is incredible. It's really, I mean, a very welcoming country. It's a very international, it's the size of a provincial city of many of the big countries, but an incredibly international country, international. And Luxembourg, uh, I mean, Luxembourg City, uh, very much so an international city. So um, I must say, you know, I, I try to be an ambassador for Luxembourg to, to have all those people that very often only, who very often, I mean, only travel during the day to Luxembourg. They come by plane, yeah, they stay for a few uh, board meetings and they leave in the evening. They don't take the time to, uh, to understand the country or to, uh, to meet people. I try to have them stay at least for one or two nights and for them to, uh, to, to, uh, to really take advantage of what has been built there and of the quality of life. The quality of life in Luxembourg is incredible, really. It's small. It might be a little difficult to, to when, when you start there and you come from a very big city, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place. It's safe, you know. Safety is so important nowadays. Look at what's happening in a number of countries where you have a lot of security issues on a day-to-day basis, on a daily basis. And Luxembourg is a very safe and very welcoming country. We've got also another tradition on this show, depending on the time remaining, and we do have a bit of time now. Uh, We've got like a handful of wrap-up questions that we'd ask uh, our, our guests which uh, which are a bit more cute. So we always like like to know, you know, because you've had, you've had a very successful um, career and you've built um, a, a very a very big business that's uh, that's gone global. So to achieve that, would you say that you've had any mentors that have helped you uh, across your career, or especially when you when you launched your career? Um, not not really mentors, because I mean I I never felt the need of being mentored, but I had people who had a lot of impact on me, you know, I, I think that's the way I would describe it and, and, and very positive impact. Uh, first of all, my, my dad, I mentioned he was an entrepreneur and he was a, a real entrepreneur because he started so many different type of businesses during his life. And, uh, you know, some, uh, uh, some of them, I mean, uh, you know, he was coming from Metz, that's, uh, you know, a uh, uh, neighboring uh, city. And um, he, he, he did, I mean, he had a number of businesses, you know, uh, uh, he even went to Iran before the revolution to, uh, I mean, to, uh, to equip the, um, uh, the universities and, and his English was really not too good, to say the least. But he was not afraid. He was a real entrepreneur. He had the connection and he went there and he was successful. 
So he had a huge impact on me. Uh, another person who had an impact was a cousin of his. Uh, when I, 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 I studied in the U.S., and when I went there, uh, his cousin was one of the big producers at Merrill Lynch. He had the, um, the very big family offices in Latin America as clients, and he had a very nice apartment on Park Avenue. I mean, coming from, I mean, he had no money to start with. He came from Brooklyn, and really was a very successful guy. And I came from this little city, small city, Matt. I had no connection to any wealthy person, to uh, anyone in the U.S. besides him. And, you know, I spent my weekends with him and I spent all my vacations. And so it was an eye-opening to, uh, to this kind of world, you know, to the financial world and also to the high net worth people. Uh, my, another person is my, my, my partner, Carlo Schlesser. We build everything together. You know, Carlo is 10 years older than I am. He, trusts, he trusted me. Uh, I was a foreigner. He helped me. And we were co-CEO of that business, which became, you know, I mean, uh, the success, uh, we, we, you know, part of the success of what we have today in Luxembourg uh, and in the world. And um, who else? Norbert Becker, you know, who is, I mean, the entrepreneur everyone knows in Luxembourg. He was my boss. He was the one who acquired, you know, the ancestor of IQEQ from Credit Bank. And, you know, he has such a drive, he's such an acute businessman. You learn, you know, by uh, uh, doing business with those people. So I must say, you know, I've learned from all of them. Um, and they have really had an impact on me. Amazing. Well, that's, on that note, that's a very good way to, to finish off uh, this episode. So, Serge, thank you so much for taking part in our venture. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, definitely looking forward to having you back for a follow episode. I'm sure there'll be loads of things that will be happening in your space in the coming months and, and years, I suppose. We, we only spoke of one of my companies today. It would be a pleasure. Here we go. Thank you very much, Andrew. I'll speak to you soon then. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Lux Unplugged podcast. Please share this podcast with friends and family and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, please don't forget to visit our website, luxunplugged.com. And see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,